the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. On AM 1420, The Answer. Joining us uh, on this Tuesday morning, the 24th morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord 2019, I am still just uh, sitting here perplexed as to how CNN can still count Al Gore as a go-to guy on climate matters. The guy that predicted we would all be underwater by about 10 years ago, uh, who has been wrong about everything and moreover knows he is pushing a hoax, knows he is pushing a lie because if carbon really was causing this problem, he would not continue to live the lavish lifestyle he does in his massive carbon-emitting home, flying his massive private jet everywhere he goes, being driven around in his carbon-spewing SUV, the worst of all uh, of the uh, passenger uh, uh, vehicles vehicles in the automotive industry, he would not be doing all of those things. He knows it's a fraud. You know it's a fraud. He's taking $500 million from an uh, uh, oil-producing nation, Cutter, and yet we're supposed to wean off of fossil fuels. Please tell me this is not still their go-to guy. All right, their new go-to girl is Greta Thunberg, who is a teenager. I've heard that she's 14, 15, and 16 now. All right, whatever. But she's a teenager, and as such, she is... Above reproach, you can't criticize a kid, even if the kid is being manipulated and psycho, uh, psychologically abused by her parents and a whole host of other organize, uh, organizers in the interest of profiteering off of climate change. And joining us now to analyze and react to that and more is our friend Peter Kersenow. Peter, a Cleveland attorney. Peter, a best-selling author. Peter, the host of the Kersenow Report. Peter, a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Well, I'd be better if Terry Francona was a football coach. You know, I, I'm, 
you think about what he, what Tito has done with this uh, ragtag group of players on the Indians who, I mean, we've lost one and two starters. We've lost all, I mean, Jose Ramirez was out for weeks, Francisco Lindor, and yet we've got nine, we got more victories right now than we did when we won the division last year. It's really a remarkable managerial effort. And then just a few blocks away, we have a debacle. Um, look, the Browns obviously have got a long way to go, but the talent level is there, almost unequivocally. I know we need some improvements on the offensive line. You can always tinker with almost any position. But we do have, I agree with the pundits on this, we do have the talent to win. Uh, now, we are playing a Super Bowl team. It's true, okay? But that's what you're supposed you have to do it at some point if you expect to win. And I don't know about you, Bob, but I was watching that game, and I typically, I'm one of the, those individuals who, you know, you and I have both played football, and I am loath to criticize the coaches. I think, you know, at the end of the day, the players go out on the field, and they're the ones who win or lose the game. But there are pivotal moments in a game when a coaching decision can be the difference between a win and a loss. And there were several such points in Sun or yeah, in Sunday's game. Um, again, I don't want to. I'm I'm not an NFL coach. I'm not qualified to second guess. But I had to scratch my head several times about some of the play calling. Yeah, well, you and the rest of the entire football world, fans, analysts, uh, other coaches, and everyone else, and Ed Freddie says he is not changing anything. He is going to continue to be the play caller. I think he's in over his head in both head coach and offense coordinator positions. But be that as it may, let's dive into uh, the rest of this. All right, uh, Friday there was a massive climate strike. And, you know, it's just so ridiculous what they tried to do. They tried to drag kids out of schools uh, in their local cities and march them out there and uh, uh, under the pretense that, look at all of these kids who are so concerned about the future. How come they get it and the adults don't? How come they understand climate change and the climate deniers do not? These are the children that we have to worry about, all in an attempt to get us to change our way of life in order to uh, confiscate our liberty, our wealth, our property, and more. Uh, when we all know that the vast majority of these first and second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth graders are being told you can get out of school if you go stand in the street. Yay! <laughs> they got out of school and went and stood in the street. Yesterday, it was uh, shutdown D.C. day, also a part of the climate change um, uh, alarmists. And now they got their poster child, literally a poster child, a teenager named Greta Thunberg from Sweden who addressed the uh, United Nations yesterday and made everyone feel ashamed for robbing her of her childhood because she's so worried now about the future of this planet. Pete, um, I agree with her to an extent. Her childhood has been robbed, but not by us, but rather by her parents and those who would allow her to be used and brainwashed in such a way as to think that this is all over uh, and that the science is settled and that there's nothing we can do to stop it except to essentially give up everything that we have. Yeah, this is a failure of argument, and this is what the left very often does when they can't argue facts, they can't argue logic. With respect to gun control, they often trot out kids. Uh, it was a uh, probably a godsend to them. I don't mean to say this, and I don't I mean to you know make light of this at all. But they seized upon the Parkland shooting. They seized upon other shootings, uh, school shootings, and they like to get kids 
to mouth their positions because the kids are insulated, as you've just indicated. It's difficult to attack the kids. In fact, I think I was watching some show yesterday. It could have been Tucker. I can't remember which. But there was a debate between two individuals on climate change related to Thunberg, and one of them said, you know, made some references to the fact that, you know, he doesn't believe there's a lot of evidence there and the use of Thunberg, um, who is not necessarily mentally capable of, that's his position, uh, of making these determinations, and the leftist person attacked him. How dare you? How dare you? And, and that's the whole point of it. The left understands that if they put a kid up there, although this is a teenager, if they put a kid up there, then that provides another level of insulation against attacks from people who would like some facts, would like some accuracy, would like some some uh, truth to this, some evidence of climate change. Um, but they don't have such evidence. The same with respect to their gun control arguments. They can't make rational, intelligent, adult-like arguments, so they put a buffer up there, like a David Hogg or whatever his name is, the kid from Parkland who appears yeah. everywhere to say ridiculous things. The left has done this for a long, long time, and they utilize kids in the same fashion that Mao used kids. I'm not saying they're in the, the same ilk of a Mao. I don't mean that, but it's the, the type of mindset and the totalitarian approach, letting kids out of school, and you just indicated 95% of these kids are just happy to be out of school, and they're happy to mouth the platitudes that get them the day off. Uh, but this is something that totalitarian regimes do on a regular basis. At the end of the day, though, we have to ask ourselves again. I keep watching. There was a, um, several clips. Virtually every Democratic candidate talked about climate change as an existential threat. That's their word of the day. Existential threat. I saw that it too. Ma mankind is on the brink. It's almost all over with. Uh, first of all, they don't describe why. No one ever describes why it is. No one ever asks them for questions because we've got such a great media out there. Uh, none of these people are held to account but then at the same time, it's interesting that you mention this, in the last week, there have been, because of these protests, a few rational people on the other side, um, and there are many, but a few of them who actually look for evidence, cited what I thought was a devastating list of predictions you and I have talked about this months and months ago, at least on a couple of occasions, that the repeated predictions of the left that the world was going to end have never come to fruition, thank God, despite the fact that a lot of these cataclysms, cataclysms were to have occurred years, if not decades ago. And in the past, the cataclysm was one that was global cooling or a coming ice age. That morphed somewhere around the 1980s to global warming. And because they couldn't get their act together and they want to cover all the bases, they went to climate change. That covers everything, okay? They don't have to be specific. They don't have to pinpoint anything. You know, if there's some trees on fire in the Amazon, climate change. If they can't find a polar bear, their favorite polar bear, climate change. If there's more ice than they expected, climate change. All of these different things is climate well, change. The hurricanes is the latest one too. If, if there's if there's an extraordinarily heavy hurricane season, clearly it's climate change. And we've had, about three years ago we had no hurricanes at all. I think one or two tropical storms even brewed, never came anywhere near land. And well, how come what happened? Well, it's climate change, of course. It makes things unpredictable. Uh, that, right, that's right. What, it doesn't matter what happens; they can claim that they're right. Right, and, and it tells you the weakness of the argument that they've got to resort to such linguistic manipulation, and also that's not sufficient, so they've got to compound it with manipulating children.
really extraordinary. And again, I'm receptive to an argument. I don't want to, you know, die tomorrow because of climate change. I don't want to get hit by an iceberg or in the or by a hurricane or a tornado. So I'm receptive to there might be climate change. I'm receptive to it, but I haven't been produced. I haven't been introduced to any real evidence of it. No one is producing evidence, and every time they make these histrionic predictions, it cheapens their argument to the extent they do have one. But again, there have been 35 to 40 major predictions that by now Manhattan was supposed to be underwater, much of the East Coast underwater, no more snow in England, on and on and on. Glaciers were supposed to be a thing of the past by, I think, uh, 2020. So we got next year before there are no more glaciers. All of these predictions, and they are monumental predictions, such as millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people are going to starve to death, or succumb to various tropical diseases that have never before been seen in northern climes. All these hysterical predictions, none have come true. So at some point, you have to say, produce some evidence. Let's pivot to the the, the goal here, okay? What is their agenda? Um, I I think we can see a lot of it outlined in the socialist Green New Deal model, um, and, and, and this is something that they refuse to acknowledge. Well, I, t- I take that back. In some cases, they have been brutally honest, and they have acknowledged. I know, I know, um, uh, Elizabeth Warren has said climate change and climate change policies are, are about racial justice in addition to trying to save the planet. So they, some of them say racial justice and social justice will be met by instituting these climate change, uh, new climate change policies, especially those outlined in the Green New Deal. But they want to take, uh, land. They want to take, uh, industry. They want to take wealth away from people. They want to collectivize it, of course, uh, with the collectivist government, which is, of course, typical of, uh, of, you know, socialist communist models. They want to essentially, uh, centralize power in the government and then distribute as the climate dictates, as the planet's needs dictate, not you, not our needs. This isn't traditional communism in my, in my view, but they want to dictate according to those what everybody gets, how much of it they can have, and, and so on and so forth. Is this just, and, and what, what's really striking about it is, of course, the number of nations who have agreed to this and who have signed on to this. So are we talking one world government here? Or are we talking about individual uh, totalitarian or authoritarian states uh, around the world all using uh, this climate panic to centralize their power and to essentially enslave their people? I think it's all the above, actually, but in stages. Okay. Uh, Climate change is a useful tool for the left politically, because think of some of the bankrupt arguments we're hearing now. Um, You know, I just did a piece, I don't know if it's going to go up uh, anytime soon, but um, I wrote something last night about how the Democratic platform is so detached from the concerns of everyday Americans, and there have been polling data on this, which is really extraordinary how the Democratic policy positions have lurched so far leftward that they've abandoned their core constituencies. You know, Bob, we first saw this, maybe not first, but we saw it dramatically during the 2016 election when Selena Zito was the only person out there saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, I don't think that Hillary Clinton's going to win because I've been talking to people in, you know, uh, uh, eastern Ohio and western Pennsylvania, blue-collar workers, and they're disaffected from the Democratic Party, and I think they're going to vote for Trump. And no one believed it, and of course she was right. All the blue wall states had a cadre of those individuals who said, just as Reagan had famously said, famously said, the Democratic Party left them. But I think they want this as a talking point. 
a tool so they can mobilize voters. They don't want to argue real issues, so they talk about some existential threat. Everybody's got to vote for us because the Republicans, if left to their own devices, will let you all die because of imminent climate change. You know, Lake Erie is going to swamp Cleveland imminently. You know, so I, I think they use that as a tool because all their other policy prescriptions are flat-out lunatic. You know, free health care for illegals. You know, I mean, we, we can go down the list. So I think it's a transitory policy issue. But then, to your point about is it kind of uh, something dealing with a one-world state, a totalitarian communist. I do believe that there's this, this um, kind of Davos elite. We see it in the Brexit fight. We've seen it with respect to the, the battles that we've fought here in the United States between the Beltway establishment elite, including, um, you know, never-Trump Republicans, and the rest of America, that there is this group of transnational people. They, they no longer have true patriotic allegiances to their countries. They have a, an allegiance to their class. Um, you know, I, 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 you know I'm, I'm hesitant to say that, but the evidence is, has been out there for a long time, and we see it most starkly with the Brexit vote, where the people voted to leave, and the elites have said, nope, not on our watch. Uh, you know, heck with democracy. And we see the same thing here in the United States with respect to the people who voted and the elites inside the Beltway have said, nope, uh-uh, Trump's unacceptable. We'll do everything we can to make sure he doesn't assume office or to the extent he does assume office, we're going to depose him. Uh, so I do think it's part of this group who have a vision of the world and they think they're correct and they're, they're good and they're better, they're the anointed, and they're going to impose will, it on us. So, and they will use any means necessary to impose it, including brainwashing young Young autistic kids from Sweden and putting them in front of the United Nations. Pete, got to take a time out here. We'll come right back after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Short segment here to follow up with Peter Personnel. Uh, he is going to stick around after the news, so that's good news. But, Pete, just a, a last thought on this before we pivot to the president, to Ukraine, uh, to the election and the latest witch hunt against the president. Uh, following up on this, when you look at so much of the science that we have been told has been settled, I mean, I, I've got a list here. You were kind of referring to it a little bit about how all of this stuff has been uh, proven to be untrue. Uh, there is a massive list of, of things that we were told about as far as melting polar ice, about the uh, elimination of the uh, polar bears. The population is supposed to be down to about 10,000 now uh, by this point. Instead, there are 40,000. They continue to grow because they are not. there's not shrinking ice. It is growing. It is expanding in different parts of the planet. Everything has been backwards. So why on earth would, would normal, everyday Americans listen to the alarmists now and, and sign away their rights, sign away their wealth, sign away their, uh, their infrastructure, essentially, is what we would be doing if we vote for people who have the power to implement things uh, you know, that these alarmists are asking for? Yeah, and I don't think the, the masses of people are going to do those things. Most people are, are pretty commonsensical. And they're hearing arguments that even if they're not paying close attention, they may have some vague recollection that they've heard these arguments in the past. They've heard predictions that were supposed to have transpired by now. None of them have come to fruition. And they go about their daily business. You know, they're not, uh, <laughs> they're not fixated on these matters. And I think uh, that's why the, the left is getting more and more hysterical, because despite their dire predictions. Now, if, for example, someone were to say, hey, look, uh, we just looked at through, you know, whatever 
radio telescope we've got, and it looks like there's an asteroid that's going to hit the Earth in one week, and it's going to be devastating. I mean, that gets everybody's attention. You know, everyone would be doing something at that point, you know, to see if we could survive. Uh, But they've been crying, you know, the sky is falling for such a long time, playing chicken little, that I think that uh, people have dismissed that. I saw a poll recently that, you know, the Democrats have all come out in favor of this draconian shift in our economy and our social structure to accommodate climate change and do something about it purportedly. Um, And this is one of the chief concerns of Democrats, especially white liberal Democrats. Uh, But the masses of people out here are completely unconcerned about it. And I think part of it is, again, the chicken little or the boy who cried wolf syndrome. Right. After a while, people are saying, like, get out of here. Get, about, get out of our faces. How dumb do you think we are? The press clearly does think we're very dumb because just as they do with uh, Trump and Kavanaugh and everything else, they keep coming over again and again and again with ridiculous stories that result in face plants by the media And so I think a large segment of the population has dismissed them. That's not a good thing. A democratic republic, a free people need to be well informed to govern themselves. And when the vehicle by which we're informing ourselves is corrupt or fraudulent or inept, that doesn't do us well. And we can't come up with the types of solutions to matters that need to be solved. Peter Kirstenau, uh well stated as always. We're going to get news now, and on the other side of that, the president says uh, he didn't do anything wrong in his, comment, his uh, phone conversation with the president of Ukraine. Democrats are meeting at 4 o'clock today to discuss impeachment. We'll get Peter's thoughts on that as we continue. AM 1420, The Answer. News, opinion, insight. This is AM 1420. 14- Ten thirty six as we continue on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Thank you so much for joining us. They are coming for the president because, according to uh, multiple reports, the president has acknowledged that yes, he did withhold military aid from Ukraine, but said he wanted to make sure that other countries were willing to help pay as well. And also, he was concerned about corruption in the government of Ukraine that had had nothing to do with investigating Joe Biden on behalf, or not on behalf, but vis a vis his son Hunter and the $3 million that he was paid by the Ukrainian government by way of a an oil and gas company. Pete Kirsten, now there's a lot of layers there uh, as we continue this discussion. I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, the left is, it, the left, the Democrats uh, in uh, Congress are meeting at 4 o'clock today to discuss impeachment. They believe that a president, that the president, rather, who according to a whistleblower, uh, essentially tried to blackmail Ukraine into investigating Joe Biden and his ties uh, to uh, his, uh, his son Hunter's business there and said, we're not going to give you aid unless you promise that investigation. The president denies it, but does admit holding the aid back for the reasons I just laid out. What's your read on this, Pete? Well, I, I don't know about you, Bob, but when I first heard about this, I actually laughed out loud because it was the face plant of the week. We just, we, we're right, didn't even finish the Kavanaugh travesty that was a great face plant for the media. It seems like there's one of these a week where the media comes rushing out breathlessly to tell us that the world is coming to an end because of Trump, and then everything completely falls apart. But before 
that story is dead and buried, they're on to another one. They never learn. It's an amazing thing to watch. I've never quite seen anything like this in my lifetime. I'm sure no one has seen anything like this in their lifetime. And just as we had with the climate debate just a few minutes ago, where there have been 40 or 50 major predictions, none of which ever came true. I mean, the due date has long since passed. I think a lot of people, I'll speak for myself, have gotten to the point with respect to these breathless allegations related to Trump, where I'm inclined, my my default position is not to believe it, believe that everything that they're saying about Trump is in fact true about somebody else on the left, and uh, wait until, you know, after they have completely exhausted every superlative they have with respect to their hatred of Trump, to the entire thing falling apart. And I think that's what we're having here. Somebody put it well, it could have been Hugh Hewitt or someone that I was listening to said, the Democrats stepped on a rake here, because everything that was initially alleged about Trump is appearing to have been done by Biden. That is, trying to have a quid pro quo so that the attorney general or the prosecutor for Ukraine would be fired before he could investigate his son, meaning Biden's son. It appears that to the extent where there was a quid pro quo, and Biden was very forthright because, as I've said to you in the past, Bob, and everyone who will listen, I've appeared before Joe Biden on numerous occasions, and as everyone else has done who's appeared before Joe Biden, they will tell you unequivocally he was the dumbest person in the Senate. Um, some of you may jokingly say that's you know not a very high bar, but he truly was. I remember the first time I testified before him was in 2003, and we had an exchange, and I remember coming back to my firm and telling some of my partners, this man is truly dense. Uh, so to the extent you hear about Biden making these gaffes, Biden was making these gaffes 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. Uh, maybe they're more frequent now, but there's nothing different here. And on top of everything else, he's clueless. Who else would go to the Council of Foreign Relations and in front of a very sophisticated and august group who would understand such things, but probably nonetheless give them a pass, and on video, actually admit to withholding a billion dollars in order to get Not what he wanted. I mean, you know, that wasn't a gaffe. He, that was bragging. He exactly. Was about it, how he got this, how he got this prosecutor, uh, fired, the same prosecutor who, uh, was supposedly, uh, gonna be investigating and, and looking into his son's, uh, potentially illegal dealings. Again, you know, Pete, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, uh, questions here, I suppose, maybe more questions than answers, but I think they paint a pretty clear picture. How does Hunter Biden, who has zero experience right. in the energy industry, in the oil and gas industry, and has zero experience in Ukraine, uh, doesn't have any business ties, doesn't have any education there, didn't study there, doesn't have family there, does not have, like I said, education in this realm... <clears throat> How does he get appointed to the board of directors of this massive energy company in Ukraine where they're agreeing to pay him $50,000 per month? How is that not obvious to everybody that what Ukraine was trying to do is buy influence with the Obama White House through through the Vice President Joe Biden? It just I it, again there's no proof of it, but but if you just put all of those little pieces together and say what does your common sense tell you? Uh, it tells me that there was something very untoward there, especially when you got him bragging as you say at the Council on Foreign Relations. Right. It's not rocket science, and I have faith that the American people, except those who are so rapidly anti-Trump and even they don't believe these allegations. They just will use any cudgel they can to beat Trump. But the masses of American people know what's going on here. They can look at it and they can see the whole thing with respect to Biden stinks. By the way, the happiest person in America right now is Elizabeth Warren. 
she's going to stay above the fray and hope that Biden implodes. She, she is salivating at the prospect that the House might begin impeachment proceedings because it's going to boomerang. Clearly, it's going to boomerang. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And to the extent, before we even get into the details of it, uh, one of the first things you do is start with a premise. And the premise is, first of all, the people who relate facts to you, have they been accurate in the past or have they made mistakes or they've been wildly inaccurate in the past? Well, the people who are relating the facts to us, the Jim Acostas, the world, and everything else, have been wrong for two and a half years and wrong consistently in one direction. All of their quote-unquote mistakes go in one direction. So anybody who is rational, anybody who plays the percentages will say, this story is completely fraudulent also. And we're seeing it fall apart as we speak. First, everyone was in a huff about the fact that there's this whistleblower. Oh my goodness, a whistleblower. Uh, then it turns out that the guy didn't hear anything. He was on the phone. He, he heard there. from somebody who heard from somebody. It's just an extraordinary thing that we're being subjected to in Trump's America. The media in Trump's America is completely off the rails. I'm not sure they even know how badly off the rails they are. Otherwise, they would have stopped long ago. Maybe they don't even care. Maybe they're so rabidly opposed to Trump that they will tarnish their careers, uh, cause their reputations to be forever tarnished also, but also their sources of income, because at some point, as we've seen with the, the dramatic decline in the ratings for you know the various MSNBC and CNN shows, the Rachel Maddows of the world, at some point it hits their pocketbook. Maybe that will catch their attention. But nonetheless, this is, I, I am waiting to see, this is going to be uh, very funny, except for the fact that there is one serious aspect to it. One of the things that we have to be careful about is, and this also goes to the veracity of the entire story, whenever the president's talking to a foreign leader, especially by phone, there are, as people have said, there are a number of people who are listening in, not because they're snooping, but because you want a record and you also want some of your, your specialists in a particular area to be on. Sure. Uh, people who can record what's going on and then implement policy. So there are Typically, you know, I, I don't know exactly how many were on this call, but some said maybe 10 to 12 people were also on the call. Strangely, not one of those people filed a whistleblower. Right. Strangely, we have, it, it went on and no one cared about it, you know, it, but this is what presidents do. They, in, they sometimes ask governments to investigate some form of corruption. If the roles had been reversed, the media would be padding Joe Biden on the back for asking for an investigation of Donald Trump's son or Donald Trump. They would be lauding him for doing that and protecting democracy. Instead, we get bozos like William Weld coming out and accusing Trump of treason. First of all, no one has, even if, if you were inclined to think that Trump might be guilty of treason, you need some information and facts to support that, and none have come out. It's all that's why the Democrats are saying, give us these reports and stuff. And this is what what's important, Bob. I don't think that the president is very reluctant to do this for good reason. When you establish the precedent of releasing transcripts of presidential conversations, that's going to have a significant impact on the ability of the president to conduct business to foreign powers, not because he doesn't want to conduct business. But if you're a foreign power. And you know that you've got your own political adversaries just waiting to pounce on you. You're going to be you're not going to be necessarily very forthright in how you uh, engage in negotiations. 
anybody who's engaged in business negotiations doesn't want the entire world to see a transcript of it. And if he does know that that's going to be released, he's going to be very reluctant to be forthright in future negotiations. This is something of very serious concern. The president has Article 2 powers to do precisely what he did. So he's got to be careful. And I know his well, advisors well, 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 hold say... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Well, explain that. What do you mean? Article 2 powers to do what? What part of He's the executive. He's the commander-in-chief and the, and the head of the executive branch. This is what he does. That is, he formulates foreign policy. He engages with foreign leaders. He has got the ability, for example, if he thinks that someone should be investigated, he will ask other governments to investigate them. And in fact, it made sense to investigate uh, not just Biden, but much of what the Obama administration had been doing over there. I mean, we don't have time to, to, to get into this. Okay, let, let, but let, me, let, me, let me ask two things, because you're right, we don't have a lot of time. You already passed the time you told me you had. I apologize, Pete, but real quick. Um, number one, I was thinking, or at least wondering, that the president also has the full authority to withhold funding from another nation if he sees it, 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 it uh, believes it's in the best interest of his nation. Does he not have the authority to do that part of this? For whatever reason he wants, if he doesn't want to give $400 million U- uh, U.S. dollars to Ukraine, for whatever reason, whether it's corruption in the government or whatever, uh, hey, we're not paying until other nations pony up to help out as well, he has that authority to my understanding, so address that. And then the second part yeah. uh, is, about the, uh, is about the political part, because what the pushback will be on what you just said, that he has Article 2 powers to order the investigation or to ask another nation to investigate. But they'll say that, yeah, but he's asking them to investigate not because of crimes, but because of the political opponent that he's facing. Yeah, with, with respect to Part 2, even if you put the worst spin on it, how can they get in his head? How do they know why he's doing it? You know, he's got a plausible, lawful reason to do it, but because they hate Trump, they always assign to him the worst possible motive. And for two and a half years, when they've been doing that, it's all blown up in their faces. But first of all, yes, the president has got the ability under Article 2. He has got broad executive authority. He uses his discretion as to whether or not foreign aid is one of his provinces. Unless there's a particular bill that Congress has passed that says that these dollars need to be expended in a certain way in a certain time frame, I mean, he's still got some latitude there, arguably, because uh, certain con- preconditions are met, but I've never seen a bill quite like that. Usually what you do is you've got an appropriation for, you know, all manner of general matters, and then the president has this pot of money that he can assume or, or he can distribute as he deems fit. So I'd like, to have to, I'd like to see under what circumstances money for Ukraine may have been placed into some bill by Congress. I doubt it seriously. I doubt it seriously. It's, I, it was probably part of a general appropriation with respect to uh, foreign aid of some sort. But in any event, what you've got here is a president who's negotiating with a foreign power. That's what he does. He's the person designated to do that at the, as the head of the executive branch. This is the person charged with negotiating with others. And he can say, look, i like you to conduct an investigation, which, by the way, I wish George Bush would have done with respect to some other foreign countries when Bill Clinton was giving away the store, our national right. security store, all over the place. My goodness. And Obama, I, here's one thing I'd like investigated, finally, and I think lots of your listeners would like investigated, too, and not from a partisan perspective. These are the same folks, by the way, who are making these allegations about Trump, who are completely okay with the fact that Obama was caught on a hot mic saying, hey, I've got a little bit of flexibility. What I'd like to know is what did that mean? What were the discussions that were had prior to that statement being made? And then afterwards, what did Obama do that benefited Vladimir Putin? 
that's what a president should be doing in terms of protecting well, one of the, the things American we know interest. that he did one of the things we know that he did is he allowed him to invade Crimea and, uh, and annex it from Ukraine. right and he did he, he, did, he did nothing for Ukraine Ukraine right. was begging they're begging, begging for weapons for begging for funds begging for something to help he gave them nothing he nobody was gave Putin's him MREs and insulated socks yeah, yeah, that's it. That's exactly right, Pete. And 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 yet we're supposed to believe that Trump is the one that's doing Putin's bidding. Uh, it it just makes no sense whatsoever. Look, Bob. Bob yeah. Last comment is: so far, I have not seen anything that suggests Trump does not put America's interests first all the time. In fact, that's one of the reasons why the elite hate him. On the same token, by the same token. It seems like every time I turned around, Obama was putting America's interests last. He was denigrating America, apologizing for America. Well, We've never seen that for Trump. I give Trump the benefit of the doubt when it comes to protecting American interests. That's the, that's the difference between a nationalist and a globalist. President Trump is a nationalist, and he acknowledges it. Not white nationalist to the idiots, uh, but just a nationalist. It does mean America first. Uh, President Obama was indeed a globalist. It was all about go, uh, gl- uh, you know bowing to and, and apologizing to, et cetera, et cetera, no matter what uh, it did to the American interest. Peter Kersenow, always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks for going over time with us. We'll talk soon. Take care, Bob. You got it. That's Peter Kersenow. It's uh, 1051, final segment coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, so it's 1055, final segment of the broadcast this morning. Again, a reminder, tomorrow I'll be coming to you live from Washington, D.C., holding their feet to the fire. It's huge. It's a very, very important event uh, with FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform. We're going to be talking to all kinds of dignitaries uh, in Washington, D.C., legislators, executives. We're going to talk to Border Patrol, talk to Customs Enforcement people. We're going to talk to victims. We're going to talk to ranchers down there on the border and much, much more. So please make sure you tune in for tomorrow and Thursday live from Washington, D.C. Let me get a final phone call in here before we're done from Todd in Ward 1 in Cleveland. Hey, Todd, go ahead, my man. Yo, Bob. I'm not. I'm not in a position to say that the president did something um, illegal or merely even unethical that would border illegal. But I will say this: the man is highly skilled in maneuvering schemes. He's highly skilled in those, and he knows how to recognize when he's being baited and to use bait against somebody who may be his opposition. So, as Peter said, he has a lot of flexibility in Article Two. And some of that flexibility gives them the right to withhold um, money or slow it down. So I think the public should be more cautious. If you dislike them, that's one thing. But don't dislike them so much to where you're going to advocate for um, making him a villain where he's not. Just outvote him. Todd, you're a very, very wise man, and you're 100% right. I appreciate the call. Here's the thing. Not only did he outmaneuver, uh, or is he in the process of outmaneuvering the left on this, by way of his Article Two powers, he also has essentially tricked the left into doing what? He has tricked them into discussing Hunter Biden's potentially illegal uh, benefits from his activities in Ukraine and his dad's involvement because there is that comment in the New Yorker from Joe Biden in which he said he has talked to his, uh, his son once about this. Or was it, hold on, maybe it was from his son saying he talked about it with, to his, with his father once. But it's impossible to believe that his son is working in Ukraine for a foreign country and making $50,000 a month to think that he and dad have never once discussed what he's doing over there. 
It's impossible to believe that. And so what Trump has done by raising this and by allowing this to happen, he has raised the issue, the raised the specter of, of uh, 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 Joe Biden potentially having in illegal foreign involvements with foreign governments like Ukraine and potentially even traded influence uh, within the Obama White House for this benefit to his son. The, the media wasn't going to look into this. The media is going to do everything they can to not look into it now. But because of this story now, Trump has made it almost impossible for them to completely ignore it. And maybe it'll raise the, uh, uh, you know, the hairs on the back of the necks of a few conservative-minded journalists and people who actually practice investigation, uh, and, and maybe they will find something. So uh, it's entirely possible that he did put himself kind of in uh, harm's way for the purpose of exposing his potential opponent, Joe Biden, for what he may have done. Secondly, President Trump is a master-level troller, or troll, if you will, on Twitter. You know that video I've been playing for you this morning, and it's kind of just viral on the Internet, of the uh, the Swedish teenager Greta Thunberg? Her entire 4-minute and 48-second little uh, tirade there, uh, the president retweeted it. The president retweeted it this morning with this comment. She seems like a very happy young girl looking forward to a bright and wonderful future. So nice to see! Exclamation point. Donald Trump is just trolling this kid and all of her leftist puppet masters. She's crying about, you've robbed me of my future and my childhood and the whole planet is going to die. And he says, she seems like a very happy young girl looking forward to a bright and wonderful future. So nice to see. The sarcasm uh, of his trolling is just epic. All right, that's all the time that we've got. Stay where you are. Mike Gallagher is coming up next. I'll talk to you tomorrow from D.C. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.